Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. All right, welcome to Noise Filter. This is Dr. Mark Calendary. Doc Griggs is not able to be with us today. So let's go ahead and get started. The pandemic and our oral health. Now, the pandemic has taken a toll on our oral health. According to a survey by the American Dental Association, more dentists are seeing an increase in stress-related condition, including teeth grinding, cracked and chipped teeth, and jaw pain. More than a quarter of dentists saw increased cavities and gum disease. American individual behavior is not only to blame, however. About 6 million adults lost their dental insurance because of the pandemic, and more than 10% delayed care because of costs lack of insurance, and fear of COVID exposure. There's currently no evidence for the risk of exposure during dental practice, but this remains a challenge for many providers. Routine dental procedures generate aerosols, which increases the risk of viral transmission. They just don't know how much. Because of this, clinics have exercised certain precautions, such as adding time and space between appointments and reducing the number of patients scheduled to be seen, but that strategy magnified the longstanding disparity issues in the field of oral care. Almost 60% of private practices were operating at full capacity in April, compared to only 35% of public practices. It has been difficult finding ways to mitigate the effects of the pandemic. The mouth has been seen as separate from the rest of the body, and preventative visits to the dentist are oftentimes not covered by health insurance. However, more research is showing that oral health is linked to a person's overall physical, emotional, and psychological health. The mouth also harbors bacteria and other microorganisms that interact with the rest of the body. Coronavirus has been shown to affect taste, cause dry mouth and oral lesions, which just further demonstrates that the pandemic affects our oral health. Groups hit hardest by COVID include older adults, Black, Latino, Indigenous, and immigrant communities who are already facing oral health disparities. On the bright side, the pandemic has promoted changes in practice and policy to improve access to care. For starters, shifting to lower technique approaches that focus on prevention and can reduce the risk of viral transmission while also improving the overall oral health of many vulnerable populations. Another is teledentistry, which allows dentists to address issues of nutrition and hygiene in more personal ways and to meet and help people where they are. Pregnant women in India. Now, at the start of the pandemic, most pregnant women had moderate symptoms and were able to recover and go home. These women had acute respiratory distress and many needed oxygen support, but most did not end up on ventilators. Women with weaker immune systems were also developing lung scarring. Now, with a more severe wave going on in India, doctors have had a higher need for ventilation, along with surgery, premature deliveries, and abortions for pregnant women. Doctors are having to choose between saving the mother or the baby, especially due to the lack of available resources to treat both. 
Now, according to the CDC, pregnant women with COVID are more likely to need ICU beds, ventilation, and oxygenation. Their risk of death is 70% higher. And at the end of April, the Federation of Obstetric and Gynecological Societies of India pushed for the prioritization of vaccinating pregnant women like the U.S., Britain, and in Belgium. However, in India, authorities have not been permitted to even get them the vaccine, citing a lack of evidence to support it. So this decision is setting back decades of reducing maternal mortality in the country through an expansion of maternal health services, hospital births, and better pre- and postnatal care. India has been able to reduce the number of maternal deaths from 2,000 to 130 per 100,000 live births. But COVID-19 is threatening this progress. The medical treatment of pregnant women last year fell by 45%. There was a 7% increase in high-risk pregnancy and two and a half times increase in ICU admissions. Nursing homes are scared to admit pregnant women because they lack the resources to handle COVID-positive patients. Now, unfortunately, in India, the current situation is dire for all expectant mothers, even those with higher incomes. And again, uh, what we have seen here in India, and even though we're starting to see the, a bit of that in the rear view mirror, this is a situation that has been dire. And boy, are we happy to see the situation improve a bit. But again, even with expectant mothers, this is very problematic. And this is a story that will continue to follow. So, are you more likely to die in Africa? People in Africa are more likely to die if they get critically ill from COVID-19, according to a new report from The Lancet based on 64 hospitals in 10 different countries. However, overall, the rate of illness and death are lower. The study found that about 48% of critically ill patients in Africa died within a month, which is much higher than the global average of 31%. The researchers think that this value may be worse since the information came from relatively well-equipped hospitals, many from South Africa and Egypt. One big reason for the higher death rate is the lack of resources, including surge capacities in the ICUs, equipment to measure oxygen levels, dialysis machines, and ECMO machines, which are used to pump oxygen into the bloodstream. There was also a failure to use resources as well. Only about 16% of the patients had a proning technique where you are turned on your stomach to assist breathing performed on them. And about 60% of hospitals have ECMO, but it was only offered to 1% of the patients. 68% had access to dialysis, but only 10% of critically ill patients received it. And half the patients were not even given oxygen. So it's not totally the fault of the physician or provider. It is common for Africa to have expensive equipment that can't perform functionally due to poor maintenance and a lack of human resource. Few doctors are trained in the pulmonary and critical care specific for COVID treatment. fully vaccinated? Should I get my antibodies checked? Now, NPR posts a frequently asked question about the coronavirus pandemic from readers every week. One of the questions was really interesting and timely, so we wanted to talk about it on Noise Filter today. The question is, I'm fully vaccinated. Should I get an antibody test to check my immunity to COVID-19? Now, this might surprise you, but the answer is no. Immunology experts say that there is little to be gained from an antibody test, at least for now. 
Dr. Carl Fittenbaum, an infectious disease specialist at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine, says that while there are many antibody tests to verify protection from vaccines, such as diseases such as mumps and measles, those took decades to develop. And with COVID-19, we're only a year and a half away. So in other words, it's just too soon for them to tell. One of the main reasons it's not recommended to get the antibody testing is that while there are several COVID-19 antibody tests being used by commercial labs, most look for antibodies that are different from the ones that are produced by the vaccines in use. This means the tests won't offer much information anyway. However, labs are increasingly producing tests that detect antibodies to the spike protein, but it's too premature to use because experts don't yet know how many antibodies a person may actually need for protection. Now, the one exception to the advice of not getting tested may be in immunocompromised people who have been vaccinated. It may be advantageous for doctors to have at least some indication of whether any antibodies are present in the population because of the risks of developing COVID-19. So the moral of the story is get vaccinated, but don't waste your time and money getting antibody tests afterwards. Just as a reminder, that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs? Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.